You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Welcome to Mamma Mia Daily, the three stories you need to hear today, read by the women who wrote them. I'm Melody Tay, editor of mamamia.com.au, and on today's show, the beauty tips we wish we could give our younger selves, and we hear from a mother whose daughter was the 14th woman murdered in Australia this year. But first, Jesse Stevens breaks down why we need to throw the BMI scale in the bin. Hello, I'm Jessie Stevens, an executive editor here at Mamma Mia. And today I'm talking to you about the fact that your BMI is bullshit. Your BMI is bullshit. Just ask the guy who invented it. Adolf Quetelet was a Belgian astronomer, sociologist, mathematician and statistician. He had no expertise whatsoever in health or medicine. He just liked numbers. He didn't know what helped a body to function. He didn't account for muscle or bodies that weren't white. He didn't account for disability or age or even gender. He just made up a scale. And nearly 200 years later, we're still using it. So how does BMI work again? Simply, the BMI calculation divides an adult's weight in kilograms by their height in metres squared. That's it. This scale is deeply flawed in multiple ways. What was the point of the BMI in the first place, I hear you ask? The BMI was invented by Quetelet to determine the size of the average man. It had nothing to do with obesity or metabolic health. Quetelet developed his formula using measurements of French and Scottish participants, meaning that his index only included white men. It was never intended to be anything else. So what's wrong with BMI? Doesn't it just determine whether or not someone is overweight? Well, the first issue with the BMI is how it has come to classify someone as overweight at all. In 1998, the National Institutes of Health in the United States decided to change their definition of overweight. Aubrey Gordon wrote that they did this by substantially lowering the threshold to be medically considered fat. The problem is the BMI misclassifies metabolic health. Multiple studies have found that more than half of people considered overweight by their BMI actually had a healthy cardiometabolic profile. That means completely normal blood pressure, cholesterol, and blood sugar. Furthermore, a quarter of people with a normal BMI had an unhealthy cardiometabolic profile. Therefore, you can be overweight and healthy or a normal weight and unhealthy. You cannot gauge the health of a body at a glance or by a simple mathematical equation. On top of all this, your BMI is determined by a number of factors you can't actually change, including ethnicity, heritage, and genetics. Sarah McMahon, the psychologist and director at Body Matters Australasia, suggests that we move away from numbers entirely. After all, health is not a number. Health is a process. Better yet, look at someone's overall health. The size of your body does not dictate your health. How you treat your body determines your health. I'm Isabella Ross, and today I'm sharing the story of Tabitha Akrit, 
whose daughter was the 14th woman murdered in Australia this year. And a heads up, I'll be talking about violence against women. And if that's triggering for you, I would suggest giving this one a miss. Tabitha was in Cairns celebrating her birthday when she got the call that her daughter Mackenzie Anderson had been murdered. Mackenzie was allegedly stabbed by her ex-boyfriend. She was 21 and a mother to a young son. As Tabitha waited for the sun to rise so she could get on a plane home to Newcastle, she decided not to tell her eight-year-old son just yet. She didn't want him grappling with the news while on a plane surrounded by people. So she put on a brave face. Once she was home, she began telling loved ones. She asked them, where are you? Because she was very aware that the news would bring them to their knees because she had just experienced the same. Mackenzie's son turned two just a week after his mum died. A few months after her death, he's starting to cope a lot better, but navigating the heartache has been challenging for the whole family. They light a candle next to Mackenzie's photographs every day. It's a pain that will be there for the rest of their lives, not having those milestone moments, or for Mackenzie to watch her son grow. For Tabitha, she told Mamma Mia the next best thing she has is the power to save someone else's life, to have justice. Three months on from Mackenzie's murder, Tabitha is in a space emotionally where she feels ready to talk, to share not only her and her daughter's story, but to have a wider conversation about violence against women to ensure no other family has to endure what Tabitha has been forced to go through. As she said, we've been silent for too long. We absolutely need violence against women to be at the forefront of the national conversation. Men should be carrying the shame, not women. The night that Mackenzie was murdered, Tabitha's partner said to her he couldn't believe this had happened. Tabitha turned to him and said, believe it. It happens every week. We've just now become a part of it. To hear more about Tabitha and her incredible advocacy work, you can read the full story on Mamma Mia. I'm Erin Doherty, and as Mamma Mia's beauty writer, I get to annoy some of the top experts in the beauty industry, particularly dermatologists and skin experts. And over the years, I've discovered there are many, many things I could be doing differently to keep my skin healthy, happy, and not pissed off. So you know what I thought I'd do? I thought I'd share the skincare advice I'd give to my younger self. Number one, stop destroying your face with St. Ives Apricot Scrub. But it feels so good and clean, so soft, it's cheap. No, baby Erin, stop, please. It was almost like a rite of passage to have a bottle of St. Ives Apricot Scrub lurking around your bathroom when you were a teen. But sweet mercy, They weren't a good time for your poor face. Inflammation, redness, sensitivity, gang's all here. Number two, you don't need to use proactive. Did I need to strip my face apart with benzoyl peroxide just because I had a few breakouts on my forehead? I'm going to say no. But I did. Goodness, I did. My older brother used to use proactive. So when I was around 15, 16, I started using it too. I didn't need to use it at all. It made my face feel tight, irritated and red. And I kept using it for years. If I could go back, I'd tell myself to listen to my skin and scale it all back. Use gentle products. Because if it feels sore and dry, it's not right. Number three, 
quit tearing up your face with blackhead strips. Me and blackhead strips were tight growing up. I used like a pack a week. And boy, was it satisfying tearing out all the dirt and oil. It was. But then I'd wonder why the blackheads on my nose and chin kept coming back. Turns out blackhead strips aren't actually the solution for your blackhead problems. While they're a fun temporary fix, they'll end up doing your skin more harm than good. So, you poor lamb, let's pull it all back a bit on the blackhead strip front, yeah? Number four. Is that a brush you're using? To scrub your face? I, I just... And no, I'm not talking about one of those soft silicone cleansing tools. I literally used to use a handbrush that was 100% meant for your body on my face. Why? Because it made my skin feel clean. And yes, I'd be scrubbing off St. Ives with said brush. What a monster. Number five, stop putting toothpaste on your pimples. One of my favorite things to do was to dab my pimples with toothpaste at night and wake up in the next morning to find it had turned into a red welt. And I kept doing it anyway. For some reason, hey Dolly Magazine, I thought toothpaste made pimples go away, but what I was really doing was just burning and irritating the shit out of my skin. Cute! What I'm trying to say is that everyone makes skincare mistakes, even beauty editors, but it's important we learn from them, right guys? Thank you for listening to this episode of Mamma Mia Daily. And for more from our writers, check out their online profile links in the show notes. I'm Melody Tay, editor of mamamia.com.au. The show's executive producer is Talissa Bazaz, and our audio producer is Tom Lyon. We'll be back tomorrow with the three stories you need to hear, read by the women who wrote them. See you then. When you become a Mamma Mia! subscriber, you get access to every podcast, exclusive videos, and all the great articles on mamamia.com.au. And of course, you will be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Check out our show notes for more info. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. 